Hey there, Freedom Fighters. Um, I'm kind of sad about this one. Um, joining me is someone who I've watched in the startup community for a long time, who I've become friends with. He's he's sponsored my podcast, and I've known that he's in Ukraine, and I've kind of watched him deal with what's going on as Russian army is going in the Ukraine. And we've talked in private, and he's he said that he's up for talking public. I'm really honored to have him on here to talk about what's going on with him and his team and the country and and how he's handling it because frankly I don't know how I would handle things in in a crisis like he's facing right now. His name is Alexander Volodarsky. He is the founder of lemon.io. They call themselves a marketplace for vetted engineers. I I prefer matchmaking service. The beauty about them is that there's a human being who will talk to you and then if there's a match and they could find you a developer, they'll make the match and if it doesn't work out, they'll be like the the old Yenta and make sure that you find another one. Anyway, that's what they do at Lemon.io. I invited him on here to talk about it, and I was not feeling comfortable about doing an ad, but I told him that I owe one to one of my sponsors, and he said, Andrew, you've got to do it. And so I will. It's for Send in Blue, the email marketing company that um, I'll explain later why it's so different from all the other email marketing companies, and later recommend that you go to sendinblue.com slash Mixergy. Alex, where are you right now? I'm in Israel, in Jerusalem. You got out after the tanks started coming in? Yeah. Uh, we, uh, I was in Kiev when it happened, and we didn't have tanks over there yet. Uh, but yeah, we we uh, vacated um, the day after everything started, the, the missiles coming and the sirens, everything. Is your company up and running now? You've had developers in the Ukraine, I know, for a long time. Yeah, we, we still have majority developers here in Ukraine. We opened uh, uh, six months ago, we opened to other countries. Uh, but we were, we're kind of lazy, lazy going to other countries because we were very comfortable in Ukraine. But yeah, companies running. A lot of developers um, evacuated to the west of Ukraine and they're safe and able to work. Some of them, they're not. Um, those who are not, there are some people who volunteer a lot. There are some people who are mobilized. But in reality, we had a lot of clients came up to us saying that we still want to keep paying uh, developers who are mobilized or are not available for work. And that is just an amazing thing to do. And we're very grateful for that. And we also joined them. We just canceled the fees for those transactions that are paying developers who are not available. Let me pause on that. So you're saying if one of your clients has a developer in the Ukraine, either they are saying that they will pay the developer despite the fact that the developer can't work in some cases, or if they're not doing it, you've said that you will also pay the developers and other people if they, for some reason, are unable to work where they are. Um, we cannot pay developers if their clients are not paying, but okay. we're able to find them other jobs. We're working, we're, you know, there are some developers who lost their projects, not just because of the war, just, you know, they, you know, someone stopped the project or just the project is finished. So we're working around the clock to find them jobs. But um, if client wants to pay a developer, uh, even though they're not working, we are just not charging any fees and we are paying every uh, employee who is not available even though they're not available. If, we, if we'll start paying developers who are, who are not available and their clients cannot pay them, I think we'll just go to zero like in just a couple oh, of months. Oh, because your marketplace is so big, right? There's so many developers who are on the platform. Got it. Okay, so there's a distinction between the developers who are on the platform, you're helping them find work, and then there's also the people who are working at Lemon who are keeping the company going. Even if they aren't able to work right now, you're just going to keep on paying their salaries. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Why didn't you leave before? We kind of had a sense that something was going on or something potentially could happen. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. To be honest, um, it happened on, on uh, Thursday morning at 5 a.m. And on Wednesday night at 6 p.m., I just came back from vacation for my parents and my oldest son. And uh, while, you know, it was 6 p.m., uh, we, went, we went to sleep. My parents uh, took a train and they were in the train to Harcourt that is mostly hit where they live. So we were we not even left the country. We came back the night before to the country from a vacation. Um, but at that time, it was not obvious if this is just hype or this is real danger or, you know, or they're just trying to find us to, 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 to get something. And uh, the, first, the first reaction, our reaction to that was, let's not panic. And mm. we should have panicked. We, we did all mm. this. Um, we did all those plans that we're going to evacuate people if something happens. But in reality, we should have done this much, much earlier and kept, kept people in the West or outside of Ukraine. And um, it would be, yeah, I, I just, you know, thinking about this over and over that I should have done that. And uh, I, we didn't we didn't expect anything to happen, actually. You know, and I wonder if also part of it is that things were just going so well. Like, tell me about Lemon. How close was it getting to its revenue goal? What was the latest revenue goal? We watched you climb to a million in revenue. Then we watched you climb to, what, 10 million you were on the process of getting to? Yeah, we missed that goal uh, last year. <laughs> we okay. we had like a big goal of 1 million. Uh, this year, we had a, a, a goal to become a majority source of, of income for Southern developers. Uh, but um, it was in the in the in the beginning of the year. Right now, we don't care about those. Wait, we don't care. You missed your goal of reaching a million in revenue last year. No, t- ten million. Revenue. Ten million, right? How yeah. close did you get to it? We got to six point eight, almost seven. Six point eight. Yeah. Okay. So, so I wonder how much of it was you were climbing. Yes, you were struggling to hit that ten million lofty goal, but you were growing. Pro- uh, it was it was a self-funded company. The world was paying attention to you. The tech world was, right? Was it that things were going so well that it was hard to believe that it would stop? Um, not really. We were just reckless. No. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. And, and also, like, we, were, we, we saw the patterns that Russia did before to other countries mm-hmm. in our country. Like, they would try to, uh, they would try to occupy one of the territories um, that is like uh, closer mentally to Russia, and they did this in t- in twenty fourteen where they started actual war. Uh, but um, and we thought like if something gonna happen, this gonna happen. We didn't realize, you know, we we were never at war. We don't, we didn't know what's gonna happen, and we had all this you know plan to if something happens, we're gonna organize a bus, put people to the west, uh, rent them. I don't know a big. Uh, vacation place and we're going to just work there, you know, without any trouble. But when everything happened, we realized like, uh, first of all, the roads are blocked because everyone is going, um, on the West, there were like, it was overcrowded too. You cannot rent anything. And also most of the people wanted to stay with their families and go to their families. They didn't want to go with their coworkers at the time. So we were pretty dumb about, you know, assuming that we will be able to organize anything. Um, yeah. All right. I'm curious about how you handle this and how you decided to to make the moves that you did. Let's get to the day that you realized something was happening. You went to sleep after vacation. <laughs> there was uh, a siren. After a few days in Barcelona, we came back to a peaceful Ukraine. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, there were sirens at 5 a.m. that I didn't hear. I, I sleep very well. Uh, <laughs> having two kids, you, you sleep very well. You have to. <laughs> how many kids do you have? I have two. Two, okay. 
um, and we woke up in the morning. We saw um, we saw we got a message from school that um, uh, the school is, is closed, and we hope hope to, for the best. <laughs> we did, still didn't understand what's going on, um, and we turned on messengers, and we saw like all the messages that um, there were sirens and missiles, and uh, it was already I think uh, two hours after everything started, and by the time we realized we need to go, and I, I didn't have a I, I don't I don't own own a car. I live in the city. Um, and, uh, we just, you know, I live around a few blocks, there's stores, there are shops, everything over there. Uh, my kids go to school and, uh, they, um, the bus picks them up near the, near the bus. So I don't, I don't own the car. I took a car from a, from a friend just in case we need to go anywhere. And, uh, but, but, by the time that, uh, we realized we need to go all the block, all the roads were blocked. Um, people actually stay for 20 hours, even more on the road that usually takes like six, seven hours uh, mm. to the West. <clears throat> and I didn't want to go because um, first of all, I'm not a very experienced driver. And secondly, uh, I didn't, uh, there were, we already knew that there was a problem to get gas. And I just didn't want to stop, be stuck on the field somewhere with two kids, no food um, and just no gas. And just, I don't know, you know, I wouldn't know what to do. So we went to a bomb shelter in, in the synagogue. We had a bomb shelter. And we stayed stayed there until the evening, <clears throat> and the, then the and the situation on the road got worse and worse because more people were going, more people were going, uh, and um, I said probably have to stay here because we wouldn't be able to get to to anywhere, um, <clears throat> and uh, but at some point there was a message that they announced curfew, and at that time I realized that there is a it's it's a good chance for us to leave because if there's a curfew for for a night, the road's gonna get free. And if we leave the first thing in the morning, uh, we will be able to get on the, you know, some kind of free road, but, you know, at least not blocked for 20 hours. And I was right. Right before curfew, went outside of the city and stayed uh, in the in the village near Kiev. And as soon as curfew, uh, actually 20 minutes before curfew ended, <laughs> I risked it. We just went outside and we just drove um, and the road was uh, there were like two hours of uh, of traffic, but the road was pre- pre- you know pretty 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 uh, free, and we could get wow. to the west. Yeah. Okay. Where'd you go? Where'd you end up? <clears throat> we went to Rivna, where is my um, my wife's mother, um, and we stayed there uh, for 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 a day and a half for Shabbat. Um, <clears throat> and my my parents that who was driving from Kharkov for twenty something hours, um, and. Uh, they were lucky also to get out because it was already tanks in in Kharkov, uh, and it was bombing hard. And <clears throat> we were thinking to go to the bomb shelter that in the subway, or to go outside of the city. I told them to go outside of the city because this like the last chance. Uh, and they went, they left, and they were very lucky to go because um, my uh, uh, because first of all it was almost impossible to get out of the city um, for a long time after that, and also. Uh, 30 meters from their house, there's a um, tank academy that was in a few days after that it was bombed really hard, and um, the the building like nearly exists right now over there. And uh, uh, yeah, they were very lucky to go out. And we met there in Rovno, and after that we went to another western city and another western city. And in after what that country? We... No, in Rovno is 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 in is in Ukraine. That's so still in Ukraine, and that's oh yeah. got it. So you're just going from you just keep moving in the west, uh, moving west through Ukraine, trying to get to another country, as I understand it, right? Yeah, I, I wanted to evacuate the family and the 
um, there is a Lviv um, uh, border with uh, Poland, and it's the traffic there on the on the on the on the on the border was like I think something like thirty hours, so you you could stay on the border for thirty hours to cross it. So I, I said we're not doing that. So I went uh, I went um, to another city where it was pretty open, so we we could cross the border with with my parents uh, and uh, into Poland. Going. In, not not in Poland, in, in Hungary, and we went to Budapest. Hungary. Yeah, and next day we flew to Israel. Oh, got it. Okay, yeah. There's a tiny border between Ukraine and Hungary. Yeah. Um, that's where you ended up, and then how hard was it to get a flight? Flight is, you know, you go to Skyscanner, <laughs> book a flight. <laughs> so they wasn't mobbed <clears throat> with people who were all trying to get out the way that you were. It wasn't anything like that. It was once you got to Poland, it was just like <clears throat> being back. In, in regular yeah. society. We went to Hungary and uh, over there, uh, first of all... Sorry, I keep saying Poland. Hungary. Yeah. Uh, first of all, uh, I don't know, you know, I know that Poland is very helpful, but Hungary is also very helpful. They gave extra trains for people who wanted to get to Budapest and there were a lot of people who were giving up food on the train station and uh, like a lot of volunteers who tried to help us translate whatever's happening. So it was very helpful, you know. Uh, and in Budapest, we... My wife has like far family, so we stayed there and uh, getting a flight was easy. But the whole trip took us uh, almost a week to, to get from from Kiev to, uh, yeah. Did but, you feel uh, any, any guilt? Yeah. You showed your CTO in military fatigues, right? Getting ready with a weapon, getting ready to go and fight. Did you feel any guilt leaving when he and people like him were staying back? Um. Um, yeah, I saw my CMO, marketing marketing director, who is um, because he was mobilized one of the first ones, one of our engineers, and he were mobilized the first ones because they were already in the war in in twenty fourteen. Um, at that time, I felt a lot of guilt, uh, but my you know my test number one was get a, to get my family uh, out of there as soon as possible, and uh, that's what I did. And of course, there's it's not about feeling guilt; it's about just being helpless and, you know, um, and, and just thinking that you got out, okay, you're safe, but what about the rest of the people? We have people who are mobilized. There's another person, actually, you said CTO, but our CTO is being mobilized as we speak right now. Um, and uh, just thinking that, um, you know, those people, you know, are on the front and there are other people. We have few team members who are in bomb shelters, still living in bomb shelters in different cities in Kherson, in Kharkov. Uh, in the village near Sumi, um, you know those last two cities are are occupied with the Russian uh, military, and yeah, it's just uh, thinking like like I love them, but from the other side, I read the post from one very smart person. I don't know him, but uh, he is very smart, saying that that um, you know that if you got out or if you're on the west of Ukraine and you're safe, uh, you have to run an economy because. The water is very expensive, and you just have to run an economy. You have to, um, you have to make money, uh, send it to army. You have to spend money on local vendors, and uh, and so they can keep paying their people. And that's what we did. I'm working twenty percent around the clock just to be able to uh, support people from our team who are not able to uh, to work or mobilized or volunteer or in bomb shelters or just stressed. We have a lot of people who just work part time because. You know, it's war. It's even if you're safe, you're you're still stressed. We have people uh, even outside of Ukraine who are just you know, 
going nuts about their family and uh, it's just amazing um i see so you're feeling like maybe your better use of your of your body and your time right now is to make sure that they're taken care of by paying salaries by checking in with people by making enough money that you can contribute <clears throat> uh, yeah and i'm useless with a gun i said it <laughs> you know I, I i don't think i'll be any use and uh Again, like this is what I realized when th there is a same time when I just thinking clearly, but sometimes like you, you're speaking with someone as like, how are you doing? And they're saying we're on the front or we are in bomb shelter. And I was like, wow, like at this time I feel really guilty. And uh, yeah, yeah, nothing to do now. with it. Yeah. I felt, I felt guilty even doing this interview because I don't want to feel like I'm exploiting what you're doing. I don't want to feel like I'm exploiting what's going on over, over in Ukraine. I just, I don't know. So that there's yeah. a there's a sense of guilt. You're telling the story, and this that's one of the things that has to happen during war, um, and because um, so many things are happening, and people have to know to be able to relate or to be able to help. Uh, we see so many amazing stories when people helping, and how do they know about this? They know about me, for media and people like you. Uh, they know how to help, what to do, what is useful, what is not useful. For example, um, someone started um, booking Airbnbs on, on <clears throat> for people who are in those cities. And, you know, they're just helping directly to those people. And someone started to talk about it. And a lot of people started, started doing it. I think something like a few thousand bookings that happen on, on, on booking.com for people who never wanted to go to Ukraine, just wanted to keep directly <laughs> They're just to people. buying places there as a way of getting money to the locals. I told you before we got started that my kid's school has a parent who has chickens. And so they're just taking the eggs from the chickens and they're saying uh, they'll leave them by the school. People can pick up these fresh eggs, pay what they want. And then the way that she's going to get it to Ukraine is she's going to just buy an Airbnb that she's never going to use as a way of getting money out to people there. That's amazing. And how people do know, know that they know through those stories, they know through, yeah. through people like you. So you're doing a lot. There's, there's no mm. place for you to do, to, to, to be guilty, but me being an Ukrainian, um, Jewish Ukrainian in Ukraine and living is kind of, you know, just running and leaving everyone behind. That's, that's kind of struggles. Again, I'm not saying it's a struggle. I don't want to, I, I don't want to, I, I feel even more guilty <laughs> saying I'm guilty just because like, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, a, I'm, I'm safe. My family say we have place to stay. We stay our friends. Uh, we have eat, you know, things to eat. We, we still have jobs. So we are very lucky, you know, opposite to people who are, you know, at, at some We're point, there. yeah, These at some point, one destroyed. of my team members just wrote me, I was like, we, we will keep in touch with everyone every day and showed me. I'm still in a bomb shelter in Kherson and, you know, the food is just ending and I don't think there is a way to get more food right now. And you feel like very, very helpless at this time. And, and thinking like whatever I have right now, like whatever, you know, I feel guilty. Okay. Like just shut up and do your job, you know, help people and uh, uh, donate the rest to the army. All right. You're donating your profits now for the foreseeable future to the army you're paying your people. I wonder at what point and how you formulated your plan. You're leaving. You're you're dealing with your family. I don't know what it's like to even get my family to go on a on a day trip somewhere. You know, yeah. there's all this chaos and uncertainty. But meanwhile, you're leaving your life. You don't know when you'll be able to come back. 
And at the same time, you have to figure out what your plan is for the company, how you're going to pay people, how you're going to budget out. How did you do all that? Um, we, we are, uh, first of all, before everything started, we gave people a two months a salary advance. So we gave them cash in case something happens and, you know, God forbid the, um, banking system collapsed and they cannot get their cash. So we told them, uh, use the money to get cash and have it on you in case something happens and you need to use it. Um, but now we just, uh, you know, banking system is, is working. Uh, and we're able to pay them and uh, just um, um, just live our lives. <laughs> we, did you, we made, how did you figure out, how did you come up with your plan of, I'm going to pay people, I see our budget. Were you sitting down at all and looking over your budget and making sure you had money to pay people? <laughs> Were you making sure that, that you could survive? What was the, the process of coming up with that plan? Yeah, last year it was profitable, so we just didn't care about that. Um, we, we didn't care spending more time on, you know, just doubling our uh, payroll. And uh, now we just thought, again, like, what are essential things uh, to do if something happens? First of all, people have cash. You know, whenever anything has happened, if you have cash, you are you know, much safer than the rest of the people to get to places, to buy things, and it's very important. Uh, the second thing we thought, if anyone needs help, and uh, and, uh, and and also like we started paying twice as um, twice twice as more often to to developers. So before that we did payouts once a month, uh, and now we are making doing pay- payouts uh, twice a month, so people have enough cash all the time. And also okay. if something happens, they at least had payouts two weeks before that. Sorry. Okay. Um, and the second thing that we thought of is if something happens, how do you get out, and where do you go if you need help? And we established a place in one city on the west called Lviv. And we said, if, if something happens, there is no connection and you need help, just go to this address and we will be there and we will meet there and we'll help you to find accommodation, food or whatever you need. Those are two things. After that, you know, week after that, when after the start of a full-scale war, we, we, you know, we thought like, what is important right now? Because before that, we thought like, we need to get people. Now we're thinking like, you know, we need to win a war. And how can we do this? The only way we can do this is just keep donating and supporting people who are on the front, who are volunteering, who are, there's a, uh, there's army, there is a territorial um, defense. And, you know, there are different, a lot of different needs. There are um, um, refugees, you know, so much things to help. So like to win this war, we need to, what we can do, you know, first of all, we we'll let anyone to volunteer to, to the causes they, they want to volunteer. Of course, uh, you know, no one wants to volunteer 24 7 because they also want to work but um we'll let people do that you know there's one guy who was um in the city near kiev and he's just um uh, driving like at least a few hours a day he's driving around the city delivering medicine delivering food helping people elderly people so how can we help just you know uh, we uh, send all the profits to to win the war to the victory and uh and let people volunteer i um I asked you before we got started. I said, Are "You, you think it's okay if I do the ad for Send in Blue?" And you said, "Yes, absolutely. You do that. I just keep business going." So, and here's the reason that I like Send in Blue. The problem with email marketing software is that they charge way too much money, but they don't do it in the beginning. They charge you very little, if nothing, sometimes nothing at all in the beginning, and then. Once you get your email list growing and you're stuck with them and it becomes a pain to take your email list and move to another provider because all your tags are in there, all your systems are already using it, everything is in there. 
you're stuck and then you pay whatever they want you to pay. And it's, it seemed like it would be insignificant when you started. It seemed like it would be far enough in the future when you have those big expenses. <laughs> yeah, in the beginning, it's nothing. And then it just ratchets up. And then by the time it's really expensive and it's not good email service, you're kind of stuck and you say, I'll deal with other issues that are more significant than this and I'll just pay them whatever they want. The thing that Send Them Blue decided to do was charge reasonable in the beginning and then charge reasonable throughout your experience with them. And that's why a lot of people that I've uh, told about Send in Blue have signed up, especially consultants who set up multiple clients with email marketing software. So if you're out there and you've been in email marketing for a while, then you understand the problems that I'm talking about. And you're looking for an email provider that will give you tagging, that will give you uh, if-then scenarios, that will give you all the things that you need. Really, go look at the feature set and a reasonable price that will stay reasonable through the life of the software, then go check out sendinblue.com slash Mixergy. If you do, that URL will give you even a bigger discount than they already have. Sendinblue.com slash Mixergy is a way to get started. And really keep it in mind next time one of your friends says that they're going to start an email campaign or they're going to finally build that email list that they need, tell them how to start right so that they're going to they're gonna be happy throughout the life of their email. Um, sendinblue.com slash Mixergy. I've been there to the situation where you, oh, you, yeah. you pay at the beginning um, with excellent um, email platform, but also messaging platform. I'm not going to name names, <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, at the beginning it was like, um, yeah, this is the price. And then like, oh, this is a little feature, a little feature. And then we added like something with like a thousand dollars per month bill and <laughs> it was kind of yeah. hard. And the, and the cost, of, like... ha, ha, cost of moving uh-huh. to another platform is, is pretty huge. It is. It's a, it seems like you own your email list so you can move them anywhere, but the software gets embedded into your site. It gets embedded into the transactions that you have. So someone buys, you automatically have created a tag in your email. Anyway, it becomes a pain. And then Substack is the one that people were in love with for a while, free email software. And now they're starting to shift their, their readers from email to the Substack app because if they just keep becoming another email provider, they become too... Uh, to commoditized. And so now they're moving their readers into the app. And so now you're no longer using them for email, using them for them deciding where you go. Anyway, sendinblue.com slash Mixergy. One of the things that I've noticed that you did was you started to say, all right, we will start expanding now. Will you help us? And I've noticed that people are now sharing your job openings. People are talking about on Twitter that you've got, um, that you're recruiting from Cyprus, from Greece, you're recruiting Croatian developers and so on. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, <clears throat> the marketplaces in general are very dependent on supply. And, uh, you know, there is a, always the, one of the hardest questions in the world, you know, the purpose of life and <laughs> balance between supply and demand in the marketplace. Um, so um, the um, we very much depend on supply and we cannot supply from Ukraine as, as much as we could before. So we decided to open it into more countries and to double down on the countries that were already open. So we opened already open to something like 26 um, countries and uh, we'll keep expanding, I hope. Overall, is your revenue down or up? Um, it was up in February a little bit and I think it will be a little bit down, but um, again, I'm, I don't care about, I mean, <clears throat> all I care about to be able to cover the, the uh, to cover the, um, the salaries and to be able to donate <clears throat> before we had like very ambitious plans now we want to grow of course and we're going to work on that but if not um it's okay i'm not going to be pressuring my team right now you know it's just um not worth it but you're seeing that revenue is going down how much in march versus 
February or last year, March? It's very hard to tell because um, we our revenue depends on on on, on uh, the um, amount of hours that developers worked. So what we're seeing now, um, for now, it's um, it's a little bit down, like maybe five uh, percent. Uh, but um, <clears throat> what's gonna happen in the next two weeks? I don't know. Why do you think it's been down just so little? Again, I don't know. Uh, it's hard to tell <clears throat> because some um, some of developers, even though they were not working, they had to report for the for cl- for the clients who wanted to pay them no matter what to be able to pay. Um, uh, but um, I don't know. <clears throat> we spoke to all developers and all clients, and it doesn't seem there was a huge shift. So some people couldn't work for the first week because they had to move, and it was pretty painful for the for the whole country. Uh, not just for for us to move, but for for everyone. But now people are you know back to lives, and again, you know the war occupies most of your time, most of your attention. But still, you need to work, you need to live your life. You have relatives who need help. You need you know neighbors who need help, and you know just have to do that. So. It's not major, but again, like I cannot see the full picture because it's so little, so little time can you know pass right now. Um, it's um, uh, a little, a little bit. Um, I I lost the track of time, but um, how are you staying in touch with your team? Are you still doing your weekly calls? Uh, yeah, and you are. Yeah, we we do. Not a lot of not a lot of people come. Uh, at least uh, last time it was something around fifty percent of people came. Um. Uh, and then we record love messages for them and for, for the people who who couldn't couldn't make it. And uh, I also do follow ups uh, in Slack for all the people who couldn't make it, so they know what's going on. Um, and uh, our amazing HR, she's in touch with everyone all the time, and I think she's one of the most uh, amazing HRs. Don't please don't headhunt her; <laughs> she's not gonna go anywhere. Uh, but she's in touch and she's very empathic and she's helping a lot. How are your kids doing? I want to say okay, but I see them acting out <laughs> sometimes. Um, at the beginning, it was just like they were excited about the trip, even though they knew about the war, they heard the sirens. We were in bomb shelters, like, uh, you know, two days we were in bomb shelters, like every couple of hours. Um, but I, um, you know, they're talking about the war like they know, like any other grown up person, <laughs> mm-hmm. especially my oldest son. Uh, but um, yeah, I think. Um, Again, they're much, much luckier than, than, than a lot of people. So mm-hmm. They're integrating into school. They're, they're not missing their home. Uh, oh, they miss their home and friends a lot. And talk yeah. about, they talk about this a lot, especially my youngest. She was in the kindergarten. She's not in kindergarten here yet. And she's just devastated. She, she loved it so much. And, mm. uh, but the oldest son, he went to school. He knows uh, Hebrew a little bit. So he, he went to school here. And he seems doing fine. Again, you don't know what's really going on. Even that you talk to them, it's 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 hard to tell. They seem fine, yeah. but in reality, what's going on, you don't know. Yeah, sometimes you don't even know until later on what the impact is. Yeah. First of all, um, for example, my oldest son started talking like a baby sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, and I think just it's a form of uh, of of acting out a little bit. Yeah. What about you? How are you dealing with things? I'm imagining you're working a lot. Yeah, and it feels me sane. <laughs> I, and what? It 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 keeps me sane. Yeah, uh, I I'm fine. I uh, 
again, like the hardest thing I had to go through is one week of road and it's okay. I, I, so then what are you doing with your time now? Like if you're, if you need to work, I see that you're on all the time. I think I email you and I get a response within minutes, um, which I felt shocked by as you were traveling that you were able to do it. Where are you spending your time? In the past, you were like the number one cheerleader for the company. You were the person who was constantly tweeting, writing your email, checking in with people. What are you doing now? I'm doing the same, but also we we have to like we're we have to make a lot of, a lot of decisions as we go because you know a lot of things are happening, and uh, we spend time on this. And uh, a lot of people cannot work, so we have to uh, repurpose our load, our workload. Um, and trying to manage this and taking some of talks on myself. And uh, this is like, that's a lot of work. You know, I spend time with, 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 with family uh, because my parents are also stressed. They lost their home uh, and uh, kids too. So I spend time with them, but the rest of the time I try to work and contribute to company. All right. The website is lemon.io. If somebody goes there right now, they'll be able to get a developer that's ready to work? Yeah. Uh, well. Even from Ukraine, but uh, we're trying to focus right now to on other countries too. Okay. All right. I know I've sent people over to you. You people are incredibly freaking responsive. There's, uh, it's just it's it's so fast and it's so personal. And then I uh, and then you jump into the messages too. And I've always admired that about the way that you work. That you're so available. And I know how tough that is. I'm mostly right. available on Twitter. So if people want to talk, ask or do something, uh, I'm, I'm open on Twitter. My DMs are open. All right, cool. Lemon.io. And then what's your Twitter handle? I, I always type you into my search bar when I need to find you. Yeah, oh. it's at Bolodarik. I do not like that name on Twitter because it's not your last name. It's not your first name. What does Bolodarik mean? Is it just a shorter so, version someone, of your last yeah, name? Someone gave me this nickname when I was a kid. Bolodarik on Twitter. And of course, you could just Google him and find him and see him at lemon.io. And I appreciate you coming on here. And thanks so much. And we'll just keep staying in touch, okay? Okay. Thank you, Andrew.